feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. It is outrageous when you hear the background of this repeat offender who took the life of this producer, this young woman, 35-year-old senior creative producer at a New York City-based online music platform, Splice, Christina Una Lee. She is the one who was followed up into her apartment, the Chinatown apartment. And today, I want to hear your thoughts about what is wrong with Democrats that they can't get a clue about bail reform. Why are they so soft on criminals, and what is it going to take? Every time when I see these stories over and over again, I keep thinking here on the show, well, okay, well, maybe this will be the bursting point. Maybe when those two NYPD cops were killed by somebody who indeed was a repeat offender, maybe that's the tipping point. But it seems like these cases happen over and over again, and many Democrats still stick to their motto of, okay, well, we're going to let them out. We're going to have compassion for the criminal. When are we going to have compassion for the victims and the victims' families? The number to call here on The Rita Cosby Show is 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. And to me, it is outrageous when I see the track record of this guy, and we're getting more and more details about this homeless man who killed Christina Yuna Lee inside her Chinatown apartment, and thank goodness he's being held without bail, finally a judge with some sort of half a brain, keeping that person behind bars, realizing, well, maybe this person is a violent criminal. Maybe this person shouldn't be out on the streets. It's shocking when you see his background, and when you hear the details of this case, it is also heartbreaking. It is just horrific. He apparently stabbed her more than 40 times. She was also found naked from the waist up, so they believe that there was also a sex crime was sort of the intent of much of this as well. And he also apparently was hiding under the bed. And first, when police came to get this fiend, he tried to put on a woman's voice. Isn't this interesting? And basically told them to go away, like said, because the neighbors had called hearing her scream for help and begging for help and saying, call 911 and shouting at the top of her lungs. They also heard him say, calm down, I have a gun. So neighbors, thank goodness, called authorities. Unfortunately, by the time authorities got there, it was too late. And at first, he was pretending like he was a woman. He was imitating a woman's voice saying, we don't need the police here. Go away. Leave me alone, basically. And this guy's going to plead like he's insane. This guy was sane enough to know what he did, was sane enough to connive with cops when they arrived on the scene. This man should not, by any means, be able to declare that he's mentally insane and be have a cushy life at a hospital or something like that. I'm worried they're going to put him back out on the streets because if you look at this guy's track record, it is shocking. There were three open cases. There were dozens of arrests since 2012 in New York and New Jersey alone. 
We don't know about other states, too. And what the heck was this guy even doing out on the streets? Anybody who could have seen this guy and looked at his track record would have said, this guy is a menace to society. This guy should not be let out. This guy is obviously at a point where he should be locked up and throw away the key. And yet he was able to commit over and over again. And we just found out today that he was arrested as recently as January for criminal mischief. There was another case against him. Guess what? Given bail there. Don't worry about it. No worries. Very minor bail in one case. And that one, I don't even think he was given any bail. He was just given release. Come back. He's a homeless guy with a huge violent history, and they let him go. So tonight, I want to hear from you. Do you think some of these judges have blood on their hands? I say yes, because anybody who saw this guy after the first case, and again, there were dozens, plural, dozens of cases in New York and New Jersey since 2012. How many times does someone have to come before a judge in the criminal system? It's documented, and the guy gets let out? Are you kidding me? What is wrong with these judges, and what is wrong with Democrats at this point, these ultra-progressive Democrats that are so caught up in their ways of bail reform, no-cash bail, we have to figure out a way to help those in the community. What about protecting the community? When do we say enough? How many Christina Unilees do we need in this community? And tonight there was a rally with people pleading, begging for help and saying that things need to stop. She was somebody, by the way, in the community who was trying to bridge both differences. She was trying to help and combat Asian hate crimes. And here she becomes a victim of this monster who preyed upon her as she was coming back to her home at four in the morning. And I hope that Democrats are looking at this guy's track record. They're looking at the faces of these victims and realizing the community has had enough. And first and foremost, they have to protect community at large before they start thinking of the sentiments, the emotions of these criminals. I, I, my heart breaks when I look at this and I look at the background of these people And I look at the track record as a journalist who's covered so many crimes through the years, guys. Three out of five violent offenders are recidivists. Three out of five. That is a huge proportion. And any judge who sees a violent offender should know, okay, the track record is this guy's homeless. He's got nothing to lose. He's clearly got a violent background. He had other violent assaults in his background. And you treated them like misdemeanors. This is almost a template for why we need to put extreme bail. And we also need to make sure we stop pushing down these fines and pushing down the severities. Why are we treating assaults that are normally felonies to misdemeanors? Is there something wrong with you? Do you understand it? It shouldn't have to happen to your family for you to care. It, it, this is our community. We all care. We all want the best for our cities and our states. And when you see what's happening, this case is indicative of what's happening in so many big cities across America. And this needs to stop. And in fact, the landlord today of this woman who was stabbed to death brutally by this monster, this repeat offender, had this to say right away because he puts it squarely on politicians who have been way too soft on crime. Take a listen. Uh, as a community, not only shocked and grieving, but also very, very uh, scared and uh, rightfully angry at uh, our elected officials who have 
driven us to this point and put uh, this criminal on the streets. And her employer is also just shocked and horrified by what happened to this woman who was a lovely employee, a lovely individual, someone who cared about others, cared about her community, and she was just at the wrong place at the wrong time. It's sickening. I mean, this uh, how she was murdered and how brutal the crime was, uh, you know, how many times um, she was stabbed, how she was stalked. The whole uh, the whole scenario is just, you know, unfathomable. It's it's a, a tragedy of epic proportions. And through all of these different heinous crimes that we have seen, sadly, of late in different cities across the country, But in New York, it exemplifies it because we've got Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan DA. And the New York Assembly, the leader of the Assembly, Andrea Stewart-Cousins, had this to say after the deaths of the two officers recently. Remember the two NYPD officers? And the question was, of course, even from Eric Adams, Democrat, but he said, listen, we got to change this bail reform. we got to get tougher on criminals. He's a former cop. He gets it. It's like, okay, hello. We need to do something to protect our communities because that's the only way a city and a country is going to be safe if we do feel safe. And yet she still stuck to bail reform, bail reform, bail reform, sympathy on the victims. Take a listen. It's just become kind of an easy talking point to say bail reform as though no bail for misdemeanors or nonviolent felonies somehow is 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 related to the spike in crime. Guess what? If somebody commits a violent crime like assault, they should not walk away like a misdemeanor. And that's exactly what is happening. And at least that discussion needs to be talked about. They're not even talking about it. Not even the ones who want to push it within the Democratic Party who are getting finally epiphanies that it's time to get tough on crime. Not even will they listen to them. They are set in their ways. So what is it going to take for them to realize how bad things are, and that they bear responsibility for not changing it legislatively. That it's obvious, listen, you want to maybe help individuals to change their lives for the better, to make them have a second or third choice. Yes, that's all good. But if you don't get tough on crime at the same time, what good does it do? Well, this is what New York Assemblyman Kevin Byrne, Republican, had to say about this revolving door. If they have mental health issues, then let's get them services and help. But you can't have them on the street and you can't have them recommitting crimes and attacking people. And in, in this one more recent case, uh, murdering people, stalking people and stabbing them. Bravo. Bravo, Assemblyman Byrne, because exactly that's exactly what it is. It is saying, OK, we can help people if you want to help them. And I think it's a good thing to do if you can to break that cycle. But if you don't also throw the book at them and let them know that there are serious consequences to their actions, you're really not helping them. It's like a child who like puts their hand on a hot stove. You know what? They get burnt a few times then they kind of don't want to go near the stove again. Maybe a criminal who feels like they got a little bit of pain at some point would realize, well, maybe I shouldn't do it again to society. But if you sit there and say, well, we're going to plea you down. We're going to give you a misdemeanor and give you no jail time. Don't worry that you hit that police officer or that you did that. Don't worry. We'll see you back in a few years or a few days or a few weeks, depending on the person. How does that help them? And more importantly, how does that help society? And when you see the background of this woman and the story of how this man stalked her, followed her, just randomly chose her, 
It is absolutely gut-wrenching. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Luis in central New Jersey. Go ahead, Luis. Your thoughts. Hey, Luis. Um, I, yes, hi. Do you hear me? Yep, I hear you. Great. What do, what do you think? Great. It's outrageous, Luis. Yes, it is. And it's, it's amazing because I decided to go on some left-wing websites to see what the left had to say. Because I thought of all the things that they could stand for, the murder of a young lady, you know, that would be something that might get them a little bit upset, you know, I thought. But I was completely wrong. They are completely obsessed with the idea that this guy was homeless, which seems to be a get-out-of-jail-free card, literally, for anything that they do. If a person is mentally ill and homeless, on these, as far as these, the columnists and the, and the commentators, they're all just obsessed with the idea that this was somehow a... a, a Nothing to do with with the murder that the guy that they're 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 literally obsessed with whether this guy's going to get good help in prison for his mental health. And um, I, I, I literally my, my jaw was on the ground reading some of these comments and some of these columnists. And uh, they were also talking about the fact that this should not be considered anti-Asian hate because the guy was mentally ill. So he doesn't know uh, hate. He doesn't know racial hatred. And I. I was reading this thinking, I, am I misreading this? Is this actually happening? And uh, some of these were actually written by Asian Americans. Wow. People not to. Yes. So yes, what's, Luis, what's your, part of it too. what's your message to those people? What's your, what's your message to those people who clearly are out of touch and, and don't understand? Open. Yeah, listen, uh, I mean, I'm Latino. So, I mean, I, 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 part of me tries to see what they're talking about, but. I think that they're mentally unwell. I think that they have mental issues, that if they could do this, if they could actually say that a person is mentally ill and homeless, that that gets rid of any issues. Um, That's like literally, as I said before, a get-out-of-jail-free card. Okay, fine. Um, But the second part is to not say that it was anti-Asian bias or that you should walk a mile in this guy's shoes before you start to cast stones. I mean... uh, you have to read these things. You have to go onto these. Oh, I've seen. I've seen. Like Slate yeah. and Salon. Yeah, yeah. NBC you know, hey, by the way, Louise, do you remember after the shooting, the sad, the the ambush attacks on the NYPD officers, you know, there was that Democratic legislator in Manhattan who said, my thoughts and prayers are with the family of, of you know, the officers and the family of the killer. And I'm thinking, you know what? I feel bad for the mother of the killer, but I feel a lot worse for the cops right now. You know, I mean, especially when you look at the track record, I still think she should have told the cops more details, too, and did not. It doesn't seem uh, of what they were walking into because they were ambushed. Remember, they didn't know that the guy was violent, had all that history. Um, But you're right. It's like, where did these people come from that they're putting them as a priority, the victim, and forgetting uh, putting the the attacker rather the priority and giving them uh, the sympathy and it's like oh yeah there was some victim are you kidding me when is it time that they're going to have a wake up call one eight hundred eight four eight nine two 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 and you're listening to the Rita Cosby Show it's the Rita Cosby Show. And things are getting tough out there because, boy, crime is on the rise and some scary stuff. And I do not understand why Democrats 
are not getting tougher on criminals. And as we were just talking, Luis, who just called in, was talking about some of the headlines were like, oh, you know, this attack in Chinatown, um, homeless man who needs help attacks a woman. What about thug, violent repeat offender thug brutally kills a helpless, you know, wonderful woman? I'd like to see those headlines. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Bill in Queens. Go ahead, Bill. First of all, I love you. You're great. Thank you. And again, let me make it clear. I'm not talking about all black people, okay? Let's make that clear, okay? Now, what's been going on has been going on in the United States for decades, okay? And slowly, they had to figure out a way because, okay, all this crime, you know, everything's racist. The cops are all racist. You go back, let's go back. To the the Rodney King King incident. And it's all relevant. He was driving around over 100 miles an hour. Finally, they pulled him over and got him stopped. He was beating the hell out of the cops, which they cut out of the video. The only part you see is, you know, the cops are hitting him with the batons. Right. But before that, he had been beating the hell out of the cops. So, Bill, what's your point? Yep, go ahead. Yep. Let's let's fast forward, because it's all relevant about race. Because now you can say, oh, you see, the cops are all racist. Well, first of all, when you're driving around, I don't think anybody would want someone driving down their block at 100 miles an hour. But let's fast forward. Hey, 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 Bill, Bill, do me a favor. We're going to go to a quick hard break right now. I want you to stay on. um, And I'm going to finish the conversation with you after the break um, because we have a hard break. But we will continue taking your calls right after this. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue, a family of four stuck on the roof of a burning apartment building in Princeton, Illinois, were rescued by two police officers this week. The Princeton Police and Fire Departments responded Around 1 a.m. to an occupied multi-unit building, officers Dustin Shaw and Sergeant Dan Yeager were first on the scene and reported at the time that the front door and foyer area were burning, making it impossible for the family to get out. Our feet were burning. The smoke was spilling out into our face. It was getting worse and worse, said the mother of the family that was trapped on the roof. So the two officers positioned themselves to catch the residents as they jumped from the roof to safety, rescuing the two children first. Now, while rescuing the mother, Sergeant Yeager suffered a serious injury to his leg, breaking it in multiple places. But the entire family was safely rescued from the roof and are thankful to be alive. Residents say that they are endlessly thankful for the first responders' unbelievably heroic actions And in fact, they said, I will never forget this. My family will never forget what they did to Sergeant Yeager, especially our hero for so selflessly risking his body to pull my kids, my husband and I off the roof. He was injured seriously in the line of duty. And he is our hero. What a great story about why it is always so important to continue to back our men and women in blue. And I think this defund the police, this disrespect to police officers, this lack of appreciation for law enforcement, I think also adds to what we have seen with a fueling crime rage taking place across the country. 
And these statistics are just terrible in terms of violent crimes, uh, serious robberies, also assaults, rapes, murders, all of them up in many, many major cities across the country. And much of it, I think, is some of this defund the police. I think also it's the bail reform. It's that revolving door. And this is what the landlord who knew the woman who was brutally stabbed to death over the weekend in Chinatown. Again, just a random attack, a guy who followed her home, stabbed her to death 40 times, and should never have been out on the street to begin with, a repeat offender, a mile long. You look at his rap sheet, it goes on and on and on. A two-year-old would have been able to figure that this guy is clearly a violent offender and never should have seen the light of day. Yet he was out, and he took the life of this precious woman. And the landlord of the woman, this is what he had to say about the 35-year-old Christina Una Lee and who he blames for the fact that criminals are walking free. This man was a menace to the community. Um, he was an outright danger. Um, but the police did their jobs excellently. They kept arresting him repeatedly. It was the politicians, lax on crime policies, that kept putting him out on the street because the judges have to follow the rule of law which the politicians have set in the city. Yeah, they have to follow the rule of law because just like you said, that is what's set in the city. And how sad is that, that they are beholden to that? And there are many people who 1,000% agree with it. And that is really, really sad. By the way, I also read your tweets often on the show too as well. And I want to read a tweet from Sal who says, Rita, the New York Democrats will never get tough on these violent thugs or rewrite the bail laws. To do so will mean that their hug-a-thug policies have failed and might pave the way for Republican victories in New York come election time. New York legislators seem too well protected from crime. Very interesting. And how sad, Sal, if indeed it is because of politics. They're, They're afraid to say, oh, well, maybe I need to change my policies. Maybe I'm wrong. What about safety and security for the community first? Uh, but I agree with you, Sal. Let's continue with the callers. one 800 And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Let's go back to Bill. Bill, you were on a roll. I'm sorry I had to cut you off there, but continue. Go ahead, Bill. I'll make it quick. Uh, the policies have failed because of race, you see. Now, the uh, the criminal justice system has been hijacked. That's why I was making the point about uh, when I'm going back to the Rodney King agent. Because you, when the media goes, oh, look, you see, the cops beat him. They're all racist. They're all racist. And now you fast forward to the Floyd incident. You see, you see, the cops are horrible. The cops are horrible. And then it gets blown up, and it's been going on for decades. This animal who killed this poor Asian woman, he is an animal. But Democrats have been giving him money because of the welfare system. He had probably had a WIC card, and that was my point. I wanted to go back in history. When they started this system back in the 30s, they created these policies. They bust hundreds of thousands of African-Americans up up into the New York area, and they say, here, here, here. And they created these neighborhoods. There's no repercussions for their bad behavior. There's, and then the, the Blasio was like, oh, you don't have to work. Here's your high school diploma. That, you know, because the system is racist. That's all a lie. It's a lie. These Democrat policies created this whole system. They hijacked the criminal justice system. They say, you see, it's about racism. No, it's not. It's not racist, okay? I don't live in East New York or the Bronx because of the color of their skin. I don't want to live there because the the behavior 
animal was out on the street and killed this lady. And it keeps happening, and it's going to keep happening because they play the race card. So how do we fix it? Hey, Bill, by the way, I hear your passion, and I appreciate it. And I think it's sad that, uh, because to me, I don't care what color of skin an individual is. If he is a violent thug, an animal, as I think you aptly described, because that's how I describe him, too. Um, it doesn't matter what color their skin is. Uh, a bad person is a bad person. But how do we change this around? And what is it going to take for Democrats? You know, it, there are so many of these horrible cases that continue to happen in major cities around this country. What is it going to take for Democrats to finally say, you know what, maybe we should care about the community's safety first and foremost? They don't care. Democrats don't care. They only care about power. They don't care. And unfortunately, all these innocent people are getting killed. Yeah, it is a disgrace. It is a it is a disgrace, Bill. I hear you. It is a disgrace and it's a travesty. And that's why good people like you and me and so many of you listening have to speak up. And also when it comes time to election time, boy, I feel like, you know, we're much more educated, all of us. I mean, I'm going to be looking over that D.A. one next time when I'm going to vote. I'm going to be like D.A. Alvin Bragg. No, thanks. (laughs) You know, that's why it is so important to speak out and be aware of people's policies. Where are they on bail reform? That, to me, is like the first question. That's all I care about with a lot of these people right now. You know, where are you on bail reform? Where are you on getting soft on crime? You support it? Okay, no thanks. We'll take another choice. Let's go to Bill. Great call, and thank you for sticking with us. Let's go to Paul in Stanford, New York. Go ahead, Paul. Hello, Rita. Nice to speak with you again. Thank you. You too. What do you think? Because it is outrageous. You know, as as I just, you know, we were just talking um, and Bill, I hear his passion. I feel it, too. It's it's disgusting and it's horrible. And these people just seem to not care. I mean, if if the reaction was after the death of two precious NYPD officers who were ambushed, well, we're not really going to look at that's just politics. We're not going to really talk about bail reform. Are you kidding me? Well, I'm sad to bring this up, but this is what it is. From January 1st to February 6th, there were 34 homicides in the city. It's about one a day. So I don't think it's going to be like, okay, there's another murder, and they're going to go, oh, oh, that's it. That's too many. I don't think they care. They're going to just like, it's going to keep happening. So I think the only way this can end is one of two possibilities. One is we can get rid of qualified immunity for the DAs and hold those people responsible for letting these animals out. Yep. But – that would be like asking Biden to give up a trip to Delaware. So I don't think that's going to happen. Right. Or, or or him to give up a nap. And that ain't going to happen either. But go ahead. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thank you for that. So other possibility, if you look back in um, to crime, what was back in the 70s and 80s, what you got was a rise of vigilante groups. That might be a catalyst for change because then they're going to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, now no, we got to step in. So they're gonna, you'll see, they'll, 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 you know. You'll start getting, I don't know, homeless people will start getting attacked or whatever it may be. And then they'll jump in and they'll go, oh, we've got to get these villains. We've got to get these vigilantes. And they're going to hunt them down as if they were parading on the Capitol ground on January 6th. So that, I'm thinking, is the only other possibility. Other than that, I just don't see a change. Well, see, I don't understand why more people are not protesting outside of, like, Alvin Bragg's office and some of these other people's office. I mean, we've seen some of those protests, but they've only been a few. You know, and quite frankly, you know, if if she was my family member or something, I'd be in front of Alvin Alvin Bragg's. I'd be calling him 24-7. You know, I honestly would. I would say I want to know 
Who let him out? I want all the names of the judges. I'd like to talk with them and make sure that this never happens again and discuss with them why this should not happen again and to at least help other people in the future. I would be so I'd be picketing left and right peacefully, but vocally, Paul, you know, and that needs to happen, too. Absolutely. You could decide about it. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. Great call. Thank you very, very much. Um, Let's go to let's go to Pete in uh, New Hampshire. Go ahead, Pete. Your thoughts about this. Yeah. Hi, Rita. Love you. Love your show. Right. Thank you. Love you, too, Pete. Thank you. Yep. Back in a couple of several months ago, you called me hardcore on your show. I'll tell you what hardcore equates to now, Rita. Number one is that that girl that was uh, killed. This should never happen. And I'll tell you what's going to happen in New York City. If people finally rise up against the fold, what's going to happen is there's going to be vigilante justice. That's what's going to lead to. And Bill. Your other caller, previous caller, Bill, was right spot on with the Rodney King thing. And I'll tell you about George Floyd. If you go back and people would go back and look to uh, the George Floyd incident that happened, George Floyd had a mouthful of fentanyl. He was foaming in the mouth like a rabid dog when they took him out of the car before that happened, when he, they finally took him down. And nobody talks about it. The left, the, the lamestream dumb media never covered it. Well, and I, I'm hearing you. And by the way, I do think all of those things are relevant. I still didn't like Dever, Derek Chauvin's knee, by the way, on his neck for as long as it was. Um, but I still I think all that. of those things should have been uh, discussed further, should have been brought in. And the history also should have been brought in. There's a number of things that, yes, should have been brought in. Again, I did not like Derek Chauvin's knee in that particular case. But I hear where you're saying because people are fed up and I don't I don't understand what it takes if Democrats are not realizing and they're making excuses. It seems over and over again for these repeat offenders, Pete. Uh, Rita, 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 listen to what I'm going to say before you hang up. Uh, The people in New York City, you know, when you do everything the same again and you you don't begin to understand the outcome. From what you who you voted for, it always turns out the ba- it always turns out bad for you. Doesn't anybody understand that in New York City? Yeah, they, you're right. They need a wake up call, and that's why you know. Listen, New York City has traditionally been Democrat led, as have a lot of other big cities across the country. I mean, you look at like Philadelphia, you look at San Francisco, you look at Los Angeles, and what are they all experiencing right now? Skyrocketing crime and soft on criminal approach. And at some point, there has to be some sort of epiphany. Now, let me ask you, Pete, real quick. You're in New Hampshire. Um, what's yeah. the reaction? How how are How is the situation there? And what do they think of places like New York, L.A., Chicago, Philly? Well, let me tell you this. We don't like it. There's nothing that we can do about it, obviously. But, you know, I live in a tiny town, Rita, 600 people. The population is 600 people. Do you realize, let me take you real quickly through it. I won't tap your radio time, your show time. I'm going to tell you this. If you came in and did what they do in New York City here, they would come into this town and do this. Let me tell you something. We all, major gun owners, farmers, our agricultural community, these people would never leave town. No cops, no law enforcement, no nothing. 
they would never leave this town. You understand where I'm coming from, right? Yeah, I do. By the way, uh, and Pete, thank you very much for the call. I love the call and really appreciate it. You know, it reminded me, I have a friend in Oklahoma who was telling me, like, during the riots that were happening in so many of the major cities across the country, that when there was word that they may be coming to his town in Oklahoma, what he did was he said that everybody in town, many of them, Second Amendment, you know, legal gun owners, you know, trained their farmers and a number of them, they literally... A whole bunch of them sat on their porch with their guns. And guess what? The rioters didn't come to their town. They passed by it and said, heck no, we're not coming here. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And we've been talking about these rise of heinous attacks and repeat offenders behind them who never should have seen the light of day. And somebody who knows that all too well is this model, that Asian model who was attacked at the subway station a few months ago. She survived. But today she was on Fox News describing what happened to her. On that day, I just went out from the concert with my friends. And then when i about to go home, yeah, um, the guy just, like, grabbed me at my face, at my mouth, and, like, my eyes. Yeah, and dragged me to, like, the other side of the, of the like, other side of the staircase, maybe. Yeah, and then, like, yeah, he hit me multiple times with my face just to make sure I couldn't make any noise. Unbelievable. It's amazing she survived. And you see it on videotape. It's brutal. And this is her attorney describing what he thinks is wrong with the system. They arrested him that day. They found him at a day's end near JFK Airport for a different crime. Finally, he's behind bars. But why did it take so many arrests? Well, that's a, a wonderful question. I think that's a question that certainly needs to be posed to the NYPD and, more importantly, to the district attorney's office. Uh, but you know, what, what, what is important to understand here is that there is something fundamentally wrong that someone who has over a double-digit amount of priors is, first of all, able to be out of jail. I mean, that, that is a problem in itself. And second, as you mentioned, that he was arrested the same day and has been incarcerated for three months. So it's taken three months in order for an arrest warrant. Three months for an arrest warrant. And again, a rap sheet a mile long. Let's go to your calls. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Bill in Philly. Bill, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. What do you think of these repeat offenders? I think they're dealing with them the wrong way. They treat them like they're decent, civilized human beings, and they're not. I was a cab driver in Philadelphia for 40 years. Uh, in, 19, uh, in 2008, I had a man in the cab bit a piece of my ear off. He tried to rob me. Oh, my goodness. Instead of getting what the DA recommended, 10 to 12 years, he got three to six years. He's out. He's been out already. Wow. So yeah. what's, what's your message with the way the system is? Obviously well, completely unfair. What they should do with these creeps, and they're full of aggression. And I know a lot of people will say, oh, it's cool. They should give them, and there's no doubt that they did the horrendous crime. They should give them 100 lashes every day with a bullwhip. Whoa. 
Bill, you are and hardcore. You know that would knock the aggression out of them. You they you become like docile. Wow, you're hardcore. You are hardcore. Well, yeah, I think that's necessary now. These guys don't have any respect for anybody. Well, I will say they definitely need a wake up call. And you know um, what? As somebody will say, "Oh, that's cool." That you know, I told somebody about that once. They had a passenger who asked me about if I was held up, and I said what I thought. Oh, don't you? What happened? Uh, don't you remember the story of the of Jesus with the thief on the cross? That has nothing to do with this. That story had nothing to do with that. Well, and in, and Bill, by the way, thank you. By the way, and most importantly, I am glad that you are okay. Um, but you know, it's amazing. I think about Joe Arpaio, who is the Get Tough Sheriff, remember, in Arizona. We've had him on the show. He made the prisoners wear pink underwear. And then he got in trouble. He got sued for abuse. So can you imagine what they would say about your theory? Um, You know, believe me, there's a whole bunch of people who I do think deserve tough love. Uh, But if they can't handle pink underwear, they're not going to handle that. Let's go to Charles in Queens. Go ahead, Charles. Your thoughts about uh, Bill's plan about the uh, 100 lashes. Whoa. I don't think that that would get the... um... Uh, anger out of them. I think it will make them even more vicious in the future. Um, but I'd like to say two quick things. First of all, I want to say that you really have do a fantastic show. Uh, it's not only informative, but also entertaining. It's a pleasure to listen to you. Thank you, Charles. Uh, Thank you. You're very welcome. And what I want to say is two quick things. One, I, I take acceptance to calling these vicious, evil people Animals. Animals only kill because they have to live that way. They don't take particularly evil pleasure in it. They don't rape. They don't do... You're insulting... One insults an animal when you call these vicious, uh, evil people animals. No, by the way, way, that's a good point. Animals, at least, you're right. They don't have the, the sort of pure evil intent. We have to change this system, guys. We have to help people, but most importantly, we have to help victims, and we've got to fix the system. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is The Rita Cosby Show. So criminals seem to be getting a free pass. Repeat offenders seem to be getting out constantly on bail. And you look at the rap sheet over and over again. The southern border of the United States is wide open. People are just kind of coming on through. No big deal. Don't worry about that. And yet, this is an unbelievable moment that happened in Canada Because the truckers could be headed this way. And I could not believe that the leader of Canada, Justin Trudeau, the Canadian prime minister, instituted War Powers Act against the truckers. You know, we're talking about how criminals are getting a free pass, how they're committing crimes over and over again. And yet... Now in Canada, as of the last few hours, the Canadian Prime Minister activated what has never been used before, these emergency powers to basically shut down the truckers because he doesn't want people speaking out against his government. And they're there because they're protesting the mandates. 
all over peaceful protests over the mandates. To me, this is out of control. And I feel like the world has just gone crazy that they're now treated as, quote, domestic terrorists. That is what this law is supposed to be used for. This War Powers Act is supposed to be used to go up against people who are, quote, domestic terrorists who are trying to go up against the country. And that allows him to go into their bank accounts. It allows him to be able to freeze their assets. Anybody who is donated to them, this to me is the most unbelievable, quote, political overreach I have ever heard. Can you imagine in any country if suddenly somebody said, well, okay, I don't like that other political party, so I'm going to freeze all of their assets. I'm going to make sure that nothing comes into them. Anybody who's donated to them, their bank accounts could now be looked into. They're worried about it. A million people donated to them all over the world, you know, have been trying to support them you know, including in the United States and elsewhere, people in New Zealand, you know, Paris, all over the place. So now they are saying anybody who gives them money basically could be investigated. They are blocking them. They are saying that if you continue, that you could potentially face jail time, that you could potentially get hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of fines. He is basically putting them in the category of domestic terrorists, all because they want to speak their mind. And to me, this is absolutely outrageous. And I want to hear your thoughts as we have talked about people in the United States, repeat offenders and all these other people who seem to be getting now more privileges and more rights than Canadian truckers who are upset about the mandates. It is outrageous that Justin Trudeau wouldn't even spend a few minutes talking to them. They wanted to talk with him early on when they first were upset about these mandates, because guess what's happened? They've had to quarantine. They can't go. They're not remote. You know, a trucker can't be remote like a lot of people can work virtually. They can't work virtually. So what was happening was if they crossed the border, they had to isolate. They had to quarantine. They didn't think that was fair. They thought that was cutting back on their way of life. They'd go back and forth between the borders and the northern border. If they were only going through the southern border, they'd have no problem because, boy, is that wide open. But guess what? Justin Trudeau is now categorizing them because he doesn't like their political policies as, quote, domestic terrorists. And for the first time in Canadian history is using a War Powers Act that is unbelievable that he has taken these limits. And everybody, just in about 10 minutes or so from now, great Fox News investigative journalist Sarah Carter, who has been with the truckers for quite a bit of time, is going to be joining us to talk about what this means to free speech all across North America, all across the world. What is the reaction from the truckers? And I want to hear your thoughts, because to me, it goes so much further than just an issue of Canada. That This is basically squelching free speech times 10. They had a gun GoFundMe page that raised about 10 million bucks. Guess what they did? They froze that whole thing. Can you imagine that was all their money that was supposed to keep them going? They froze that money. So they're trying to cut them out, trying to basically say we're going to throw you in prison, all because they were upset about the mandates. This is outrageous, and I think it's horrible. And I think shame on Justin Trudeau. He has turned out to be, I think, authoritarian of authoritarians. And how audacious of him to be able to say that because he doesn't like what they're peacefully saying, that he's going to shut them down and treat them like, quote, domestic terrorists. This is unconscionable. Here's a little bit of Justin Trudeau talking about the protesters. The federal government 
has invoked the Emergencies Act. This is about keeping Canadians safe, protecting people's jobs, and restoring confidence in our institutions. Occupying streets, harassing people, breaking the law. This is not a peaceful protest. Right. I mean, this is outrageous. If you see, they have been honking. They've had, like, grandmothers. They've had, you know, but if you listen to him, it's because he doesn't agree with them and he won't even talk to them. He is trying to shut them down every which way which loose. And it's ridiculous. And it's unconscionable. And these are his citizens, and this is the way he's treating them. This is Tucker Carlson on Fox News talking about Justin Trudeau. You could be breaking laws. That was the funniest part. These are people who literally don't care about the law at all. They believe they make the law. This is the prime minister who ordered the cops to steal people's fuel. There's no law that says you can't have fuel in Ottawa. He's made that up. Now he's lecturing them about the law. And Joe Biden, who is violating federal law on the grand scale every day by importing two million people illegally without your consent, he's upset about the law. Justin Trudeau is so upset he's threatening the truckers' children. Quote, it's time to go home, especially if you have your kids with you, Trudeau said. Wouldn't want something to happen to them. And even some mainstream media in the United States have said maybe what they should be doing is slashing the truckers' tires. Can you imagine that? Calling for violence against the truckers. Slash their tires because you don't agree with them politically. These guys are out there protesting what they feel is correct. And now they're getting branded just like the parents in Loudoun County. Remember when all that happened? Guess what? Now Justin Trudeau is taking a page from the Biden DOJ and calling the truckers literally domestic terrorists because that's where they have to be categorized for this War Powers Act to be instituted. If this is a war, boy, God help Canada. You know, one 848 Let's go to Brian in Prince Edward Island. Go ahead. Where are you? Where are you exactly? Are you in California? Where are you in Maine? Uh, no, I'm in Charlottetown, which is the capital of Prince Edward Island, Canada's smallest province, and. Uh, we are about, uh, what is it, 350 miles due east as opposed to north, uh, due east of Bangor, Maine. So the reason I'm asking um, is I used to go on vacation at Prince Edward Island when I was a young child. I know exactly where it is. It is one of the most beautiful places in the world. So I'm so you thrilled got, you're you calling right. from there. Yes, it's a little bit like the Arctic tonight, but uh, in general it is, I, I agree, one of the most beautiful places on this earth. Um, yeah, so I'm calling in Canada and uh, on topic, and I guess I'd, I'd just like to start by saying, um, Rita, you have this feature every evening where you back the blue and thank uh, folks for their service. And I would like to thank you for your service because if it wasn't for people like you and uh, Fox News and Newsmax, um, there would really be nothing close to, uh, cl- closely akin to a mainstream or some sort of a, a journalistic um, uh, outlet to learn about what's going on with the trucker situation in Ottawa and, and, and across the country. And um, and I know that uh, people are trying always to get a handle on what it's really about, and, and, and it isn't just about truckers uh, needing to, uh, to be vaccinated across the border, but it is 
all of the mandates, which are completely illegal and a complete violation of something called the Charter of, of Rights, which is enshrined in the Canadian Constitution. And I, I just, it, it's so incredible to see France um, out marching because of uh, they're in, being inspired by by Canada and 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 taking the Canadian flag with them, and I have to say, like for the last ten years, I have been um, almost ashamed to be Canadian and 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 almost depressed about being Canadian, and these guys have just kind of lit myself and other people up and feeling for the first time in a long time about having some national pride because we are we're fighting for liberty and here I am in a very conservative like not as in like um, politically conservative but um, people that are very um, quiet I guess about the, their, their politics and just on Saturday, there was, was a rally here in Charlottetown. This is small town, small province. And the traffic was backed up for miles. And people were out with their Canadian flags and um, very unkind words about Trudeau and no mandates and to mandate freedom. And it, it was just so exciting. It, it was so exciting to to be part of that and to think that it, it's reached... Um, all regions of this country. Oh, all the regions um, of the world. And before I let you go, Brian, what's your reaction to Justin Trudeau using this War Powers Act that literally is supposed to be for domestic terrorists? It's astounding. And I think the world is watching and just seeing this unbelievably heavy-handed approach. Um, I'm, I'm not at all surprised. Um, because, and, I, and, and the world seems very shocked about Trudeau, but I'll just give you this... Um, as the leader of Her Majesty's loyal opposition before he became prime minister, there were a couple of things that he did which um, alluded to the fact that he is a dictator. So he has been completely consistent. And one of the things he did was he woke up one day and he declared, liberal senators, you're no longer a senator. So time does not permit me to go into great detail, but um, we have a kind of a dysfunctional on elected Senate, and there's some movement towards independent senators. And so he made that decision. Well, whether you're Republican or Democrat or Liberal Party of Canada or Conservative Party of Canada, most of us know in a democratic society, a leader doesn't make that decision. It goes on the, the convention floor, and people had a chance to consider it Absolutely. in their constituencies. But he right? went, but he but went, but he, he went right for it. Wow. Brian, I just want to say we're thinking of you and we're keeping all of you guys in our thoughts and prayers. And there's a lot of people south of you that are cheering you guys on and are just shocked at what Justin Trudeau is doing. Um, and I think uh, there's so many people who say bravo for the truckers. And, and you're we're thinking of you and we're rooting you on there. And Prince Edward Island, one of the most beautiful places I know in the world. Thank you very much, Brian. You stay strong and tell everybody, keep it up. Keep up the great work. And speaking of which, when we come back, everybody, Sarah Carter, the great investigative journalist who has spent a lot of time up there with the truckers. When we come back, she's going to tell us what she makes of Justin Trudeau basically enacting this War Powers Act, treating them like domestic terrorists. And if she thinks that a trucker convoy is heading to the USA, 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show.
And I'm saying to you, Justin Trudeau, you are out of line. Unbelievable that he's instituting War Powers Act, classifying freedom fighters, the truckers, as domestic terrorists. And our next guest has spent a lot of time in Canada. She was up with the truckers. I think she's one of the great investigative journalists out there. And joining us now is is Fox News contributor, great investigative journalist, Sarah Carter. Sarah, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Rita. Um, it was it was really an incredible experience being in Ottawa, Canada with the truckers and with the French farmers, French-Canadian farmers and other farmers and just hardworking men and women that really see themselves as like the brothers and sisters of the American people in a fight for freedom and in a fight to be heard is what they're really saying, and a very peaceful one at that, interestingly enough. What they really want is just for their voices to be heard. And as you can see, um, it's not just Canada that is going through this, but it, it's, it's infectious and it's spreading around the world. Yeah, freedom is infectious. And, you know, it, what's stunning, Sarah, is that Justin Trudeau, what is shocking, he wouldn't even talk with them at first. They wanted to meet with him. He wouldn't even give them five minutes. He's been so disparaging to these people who, just like you said, are out there because they want to talk about, you know, they're upset about the mandates. A number of them are vaccinated. They just don't like the idea of mandates. Um, and they're just talking about freedom. It's, there's just a, they're peaceful. They're out there talking. You know, you, even the people who are trying to support them are getting arrested. I've never seen such heavy-handed tactics against people who are just trying to express their views. And now here we have, you know, Justin Trudeau coming in and saying, I'm instituting the War Powers Act that's never been enacted, and it's being enacted under the qualification that they're domestic terrorists. This is astounding, Sarah Carter. It really is astounding because um, I was there. I was with the people. The protests were extraordinarily peaceful. I felt very safe being in Ottawa, walking through the streets, talking to the citizens of Ottawa. Um, There were so many supporters, Rita, that came down, people from all of the other provinces, uh, you know, from Alberta and from other areas of the country. And I would say, well, what are you doing here? Um, How are you showing your support and why? And for example, I'll give you a name of a man named Frank, who just wrote me tonight, actually, before I got on your show. And he he stated that his daughter has been going through cancer treatments, that the reason why he was down there, and he and I spent a lot of time talking, but he had never told me the story until today. He said was that his daughter couldn't be with her husband during her cancer treatments, that everybody had been vaccinated in his family, that they limited um, any kind of contact between family members, and that it's so extreme, the mandates in Canada right now, that people really are alone, that it's two years of living in fear, two years of living alone. And for some people, it's been an extraordinarily emotional, trying time. And I think we've seen that all over the world where people are like, look, we want to do what's best for our neighbors. We want to do what's best for our country. But we all have to do what's best for us, and we can't give away our freedoms. And that's what they saw happening in Canada. That's what they see happening under Trudeau where he's encroaching on their ability to be free, on the people's right to make their own choices for themselves. And Sarah, and Sarah tell you, do me a favor, Sarah, if you could, could you stick with us? We're just going to go to a quick commercial break. Um, could we follow up with you? Perfect. The great journalist Sarah Carter after the break. 
Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, a tribute coming from Kenosha, Wisconsin, where the Hometown Heroes Commission there has named Tom Visentainer the Hometown Hero of the Year. In making the award, they talked about his leadership skills, his accomplishments, and level of performance in the Army, and also helping veterans organizations throughout the world. He was nominated for his 33 years of service with the U.S. Army and the U.S. Army Reserves, achieving the rank of Staff Sergeant. He was also active duty in support of Operation Enduring Freedom, where he completed two tours of duty, including doing mine clearing and also road construction. Had a whole bunch of different awards, including a Bronze Service Star, Afghan Campaign Medal with two campaign stars, a NATO medal, a combat action badge, and many, many others for his achievement. And the Hometown Heroes Commission created the program to identify and recognize hometown heroes in their area, worthy men and women who served or are currently serving in the U.S. Armed Forces. And how beautiful that they continue to recognize our great men and women in uniform. And listen, they fought to defend our freedoms and our right to self-expression. And so much, I believe, in that ability to be able to express their views and to be able to talk about what we want to do. That's why people have fought and died for our freedoms. And that's why I think of the Canadian truckers up there who right now it's that spirit of wanting to basically speak their mind. And for speaking their mind, they've had their funds cut off. Uh, Now they're going into bank accounts. Um, They've had, you know, many of them arrested. It is unbelievable, but they are continuing to fight. And they say they just don't agree with the mandates, the very heavy-handed mandates that are taking place at that Freedom Convoy up there in O Canada. And joining us now to talk about all of this still is the great investigative journalist Sarah Carter, who just came back from Canada. And, you know, Sarah, I want to ask your take because, you know, Prime Minister Trudeau instituting the War Powers Act, basically saying they're domestic terrorists. He's called them Nazis. He's called them white supremacists. Uh, I mean, it's shocking. What is your reaction to just the the verbiage and the, and the language that he is used against these people who just want to speak out peacefully about the mandates? It's unbelievable. Well, it certainly exposes his elitism and his vitriol towards the working class, right? And this is what the Canadians are saying. They're, you know, the, the regular working class is saying, look, we're not harming anyone. We're standing up. We're doing what a democracy asks of us as citizens. It's supposed to be Trudeau working for us, us not working for Trudeau. I mean, they're the people that bring the food to the table. They're the people that deliver the food to the grocery stores, to the shops, uh, to the businesses. I I spoke to so many people, people who are hardworking Canadians, much like hardworking American citizens who lost everything who lost their businesses, who their business their businesses were shut down, who now are having their bank accounts seized, who are being threatened to lose their livelihoods. There was a threat while I was up there that they were going to send in social services and remove the children that were there with their families. Um, so people were terrified, and they're saying, look at what's happening now. 
we've done nothing and they want to come and take us. Are we a democracy? No, because they said this is a this is only the actions of somebody that acts like a tyrant. And, you know, and this is a lesson learned. Right. I mean, we look at Canada, we look at Australia, we look at the United States and we say, oh, our nations can never change. We're always going to be safe. We're always going to be a republic. We're always going to be a democracy. Well, not so fast. We saw over the last two years what can happen when there is when fear comes into play. And I think that what's so impressive about the Canadian people and, you know, so many people have said this. It's they started it. They they stood up. They said, look, we're going to do this peacefully. We're going to stand up. Chris Barber, who led the Canadian convoy, uh, you know, when I was there in Ottawa, we're going to stand here. We're not going to back down. We're going to ensure that the world hears us and knows that we are standing up for individual liberties and rights. And I think that they've done that. And we're seeing that now here in the United States, Rita. We're seeing it in France. We're seeing it in Vienna. And, you know, all people want is to be heard. All they want is to be heard. And Prime Minister Trudeau, who, who, called, who called these uh, hardworking men and women racist and who called them all these names, well, they were the ones saying, well, look at Trudeau's past. Trudeau was the one in blackface more, more times than, than he can even remember. And, um, you know, and he's putting that on them. And I went there. I saw people from all over the world of all walks of life speaking many different languages, Muslims. I met Muslims from Iraq who were standing alongside the truckers. I met people who were from all parts of the world. I met black Canadians, white Canadians, uh, you know, Spanish Canadians, even met, um, I'm half Cuban. I met a man from Cuba who emigrated to uh, to Canada 15 years ago, and he was standing and, uh, and supporting the truckers. So certainly... Um, it's concerning to see Trudeau, you know, basically call them terrorists, domestic terrorists. But, boy, we saw that here in the United States, too, didn't we? Yeah, that's what I thought about. I thought about that's the way they treated parents who were speaking out, remember, and speaking their mind, too. That's right. Um, you know, in I want to ask County. you, and, and uh, before I let you go, Sarah, where do you see this going? Where Where do you see this? Because now that he's you know, gone to the point where he's talked about even taking away their kids. He's talking about, you know, their bank accounts. It, it really is unbelievable to, to see he's treating them like they're like, you know, serial killers um, just for speaking <laughs> out about mandates. It's shocking. Where do you see this going now? Where, where does this standoff go? Well, I see it going in a very bad direction for Justin Trudeau. If the truckers that I spoke to and the convoy leaders that I spoke to stand their ground the way they said they want to peacefully, and without violence, Trudeau is going to end up looking like he already looks right now, the bad guy here in this situation. All Trudeau needed to do was speak to them. All he needed to do was reach out, listen to them, listen to what the people of Canada are saying. And this could have been resolved much differently. And especially according to the truckers that I've spoken with, um, if Trudeau continues to move in that direction, if he seizes their trucks, if he forces tow truck drivers to take the trucks off the streets and then seizes bank accounts and destroys lives, look, Trudeau's political future is probably ending right now. Yeah, that's probably. what I was wondering. You know, yeah, I can't predict the future, neither can anyone. But it looks like it's ending right now. And if you talk to a Canadian, they'll say so. Um, look, the truckers aren't going to back down, according to what um, the people that I've spoken to. They are going to stand their ground. I guess the ball's in Trudeau's court right now. 
Um, and look, mandates are ending all across in the United States. The Democrats are seeing what's happening to them in their own states. I think that eventually around the world, uh, leaders will realize that they've encroached far too much on individual rights. And if they do the right thing, the right thing would be is to lift these mandates. Um, and we will find a way to help one another and live with this, of course, terrible virus. But uh, I think we've come to the point now where people are expecting to hear the truth and people are expecting to be respected. And they're getting tired of being walked all over. And I think Canada has done a great job of leading the world in that direction. Yeah, I think there are people cheering those truckers on every corner of the globe right now. Um, Sarah Carter, great work. Keep us posted. Wonderful having you here on the Rita Cosby Show. Thank you, Sarah. It's been great being on. Thanks so much, Rita. Thank you so much. A great investigative journalist, Sarah Carter, who just got back from Canada. And she was talking about the reaction of the truckers, too. Um, the folks there that are just hardworking, all different walks of life, just wanting freedom. And now they are treated basically, as I said, like serial killers. I mean, they're treating them like we're going to go after your bank account. We're going to take your kids away. Uh, we're going to take your livelihood away. It is shocking. Here's a little bit of reaction from the truckers to Justin Trudeau. Take a listen. With this thing, he just gained more freedom fighters right now. He's just going further and further into more power grabbing. It's, yeah, disgusting, really. If anything, it makes him look uh, incompetent. It's almost like it's exposing more corruption or something. It's almost like he's just lost complete control of country and it's really shown just keep grabbing more power dig deeper I mean, we just want to talk come to the table i think uh, before he does something like this he should come out and ask what we want i think it's a little bit overbearing for sure like we're not there's no emergency here like we haven't wrecked one thing or there hasn't been any hardly any arrests he's just doing it to try to get us out of here and it's going to work because some of us are going to have to leave right you know we are here in a large numbers i'm pretty sure they're going to be some chicken drivers between all of us but uh, you know what I can tell you for sure one leaves 10 others they're gonna take his place I'm in for the long haul He's, every time he seems to say it, it's like man I, my moral compass won't let me leave I say bravo 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 by the way I always read your tweets on the show too as well everybody send me your tweets to at Rita Cosby and I often read them here and share them with all of you uh, Catherine writes, Trudeau needs to resign. Canadians need to keep up the pressure. Bravo, bravo, bravo. Let's go to Nick in Toronto, Canada, calling into the Rita Cosby Show. Nick, your thoughts about this? Um, I'm cheering the truckers on because I just think this is outrageous and disgusting that Trudeau is smearing them. And I think his political time is numbered. Hi, Rita. How are you? I'm good. What do you think? What's the sense from where you are? Well, I, I'm from I'm from Toronto, and unfortunately, our city is inundated with a lot of left wing nuts that vote liberal because they want free, 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 everything free. <laughs> but um, with Justin Trudeau, we don't know where to start with this clown. His father. I don't know if you're familiar with yep. his father. Of course, I do. Uh, yep. Pierre, if that's in fact his real father. He was a communist uh, with René Levesque, which was a premier of uh, Quebec at, way back in the 50s. He turned liberal, and his mother was a flower child. 
lots of money, lots and lots and lots of money. But anyhow, um, what I'm really disappointed with is that our um, our system of government, he is in a minority government. He is not um, like in the U.S. You have just two parties and one is um, the dominant party based on 51 percent of the votes. Um, he doesn't have a majority. And I'm really disappointed with um, the opposition party. And there's actually one party called the New Democratic Party. Uh, which Jack Meek Singh, which is his suspected uh, terrorist, and he's not allowed in some certain countries. I don't know which countries. And he's just happy to be in Ottawa. So he'll just go along with what Justin Trudeau says. But the conservatives blew their opportunity um, with their last two um, leaders, which were basically liberals in disguise. And I really, this is going to end bad for Justin Trudeau. Well, that, that's what I was going to ask you. Where does it go now for here? Because a lot of people face, are saying this is the end of him. His face, and he looks defeated. Uh, a defeated man does what he does. He is not confident. And the deputy prime minister, I don't know if you know anything about her, but her grandfather is a, was a Nazi sympathizer. But the media does not play on that. And they don't play on whether or not Justin Trudeau is the son, the illegitimate son of Fidel Castro. Wow. Well, well, you got a lot of stuff in here, by the way. You got you, this. You. Is, this this is enough for National Enquirer here. <laughs> I'm telling you, Nick, you could fill a couple magazines. But but, but, but let you, me like, fast forward. Fast forward though to where do you see this going? In the near future, because you're there in in Toronto, in Canada. So I just want to get the pulse because we're seeing, okay, War Powers Act and these horrible overreaching like we're, we all agree. Um, where do you see it going? Do you see a standoff coming in the near future? And what does it mean for the United States? Well, the United States, we have to follow what the United States does because we are, I don't want to say a puppet of the United States, but we depend on the United States for our economic system. And you know Joe Biden has come out and basically been cheering Trudeau on. You know that, right? Yes, because basically, for the lack of a better word, they're bum buddies. Yeah. No, they are. They're they're you know, two. Yeah. We know that. Yeah, they are, they are they are two peas in a pod. Well, Nick, I just want to say we are keeping you in our thoughts and prayers, and bravo to you and all the truckers up there in Canada. Um, it's that fight for freedom, and so many of us here listening on the show say bravo. Bravo, bravo. I'm going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. What do you make of the truckers? What do you make of the fact that the leader of Canada has now taken it upon himself to institute War Powers Act and basically said that they qualify as, quote, domestic terrorists, all because he doesn't like their political views? You're not hearing about crimes. You're not hearing about any of these other things. He just does not like what they stand for. And he's threatening to take away their kids. He's threatened to take away their livelihood. He's threatening to take away their bank accounts. It is unbelievable. He is treating them like, you know, Mohammed Atta because they are fighting for mandates. It is outrageous, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about the Freedom Convoy in Canada that's now sparked protests of support, really, all over the world. And the leader of Canada, in an unprecedented move, 
first time in history instituted war powers going against these people, classifying the freedom protesters. These are just people who are protesting the mandates peacefully, just said they don't like it. It's hurting their livelihood, frustrated with the mandates. And now they are being categorized as, quote, domestic terrorists by Justin Trudeau. I think it is outrageous. one 800 848 Let's go to Stan in Forest Hill. Stan, your thoughts about this, my friend. How pathetic this station is. How pathetic when you need to depend on Tucker Carlson. How depressing this station is. Pathetic. What are you talking about, Stan? I ran, I, ran a clip of, I ran a clip of him talking. He is a host. I ran about 30 clips today. Is that what you, you must be really bored if that's what you're picking out. I'll, hey, you're the one that used them. I'm not the one. The key point is the prime minister is doing the correct thing. And why is before, that? Why is why that? Why is that? A freedom. I keep hearing that word freedom. Yeah, you and don't like freedom? They had freedom enough to block the bridge, right, to stop commerce. That's freedom, right? They had a right to do it. He had a right to say, uh-uh, baby, you're not going to stow this. He didn't do anything for royalty to see what they were doing. Good for the prime minister. Now they also have a GoFundMe fund, as I heard. And, and, they, and he cut off $10 million. Absolutely. Mandates are necessary to stop this disease, and good for him in Canada. I wish we needed more in the United States. You know how I feel about this illness. I know how you shots. feel, but Stan, I completely disagree because well, okay. because right. I, I, because <laughs> I, I yeah, and, but I I love your calls by the way too. I, I know, appreciate I love you. it. I love you, you, honey. Thank you. And I always love I always love hearing all views. I think. In this case, he should have spoken to them. He didn't even want to give them five minutes to talk. And now he's classifying them as domestic terrorists. To me, it is so out of touch. It is so over the top. Um, But, Stan, I love you and always appreciate the calls and keep them coming. And I'm glad you're always tuning in. It always is wonderful, my friend. Um, let's Let's go to Karen real quick from Rockland County. Karen, your thoughts real quick. What do you think? I guess I'm not getting any credit cards from uh, TD Bank now, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I hope the um, I give them a lot of credit for what they're doing for standing up for their rights, and I hope they come to this country in power in numbers with all the truckers. I agree, Karen. Will we be w- Karen, I 1,000% agree. I agree. I say let's start the trend. I say bravo, and they are peacefully protesting, peacefully and they're getting smeared and categorized as domestic terrorists, that sounds to me like a desperate leader looking for power. Let's go to Norman in Brooklyn. Go ahead, Norm. Hi, Rita. Yeah, hi, Rita. Yeah, today I was uh, part of a hundred, at least a 100-person rally in front of the Canadian consulate in support of the truckers. Everything was completely peaceful, and it seemed to me at least the people of Midtown there were totally on our side. Uh, we have to support these truckers, and uh, Stan is a Nazi. So, you know, basically— Stan's I, a Nazi. I, Stan, you know what? I, Stan, I think, just likes drinking prune juice. That's what I think. That's what I think it is. But but listen, I I love hearing all sides. I completely disagree with Stan, and you guys know me well enough that if I don't agree, I speak out. And, and I'm happy to hear that there are people here in America that are also doing, as you mentioned, a rally— Outside the Canadian consulate, I say bravo. And and Norman, thank you, too, for your spirit of freedom, because that's what America is all about. 
and that includes North America, too, our partners up there in the north. And we're going to be thinking about them and praying for them. And, boy, I hope Justin Trudeau gets out of power. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 